And now, coming to you from the classiest radio station on the air, this is... Evie right back with Midweek Musings. Hello everybody and welcome back to Midweek Musings. As I'm recording this, it is way ahead of the time that this is going to air, almost a month in advance. Who is she? She's on top of things, that's who. But... It's because I've had this episode written for a long time and I just wanted to record it while I was thinking about it with enough time because I really want to do this episode justice. This is the first, this is going to be the first episode back from the mini series I did during October, Midweek Mysteries, and it's a topic that is really important to me and so I just want to make sure that I get everything out that I want to, we'll say. If you're new here, hi, I'm Evie and... I'm a sophomore student at St. Ambrose University with a major in English, and I'm minoring in a couple different comm things, as in communications, and this is a podcast I do through KALA, which is the radio station at SAU. So yeah, the concept of this show, Midweek Musings, is to discuss a controversial, complex, or philosophical question or topic each week. So for example, we've done, is the universe truly infinite, or would you go back in time and kill baby Hitler? During October, we did spooky and terrifying true stories, but we're back. The last time that we did a regular Midweek Musings episode, it was the concept of free will. And I don't know if you noticed, but, and this goes for my October series as well, but I tried putting some like lo-fi music in the background of parts of it just so that it kind of sounded fuller and less just me talking. Cause like in real, at, wow, this is a real podcast. What am I saying? In other podcasts with like multiple hosts, there's oftentimes more like, you know, background sound, talking to each other. I don't know. So I just liked it. So I'm probably going to keep doing that. So hopefully you like it too. But this week's topic is going to be something I could talk about all day. And I have talked all day about it before. I've written essays about it. I've written poetry about it. And today, ladies and germs, I'm recording a podcast about it. It's being beauty standards, particularly for women. I just want to start out with a disclaimer that men obviously are subject to beauty standards as well, but since I am a woman and there is no denying that women, you know, have it worse when it comes to this realm of things, we are going to be looking at this from the female perspective, and I don't really want to hear anything about it. So, I really just want to know once and for all where these stupid, unachievable beauty standards come from, like skinniness, perfect skin, voluminous hair, long legs, etc., and why we still in this modern and progressive era care so much about physical appearance. So we'll talk about that and then how we can stop perpetuating these standards that are super unhealthy for everyone. You might be wondering what I mean when I say beauty standard. So here's a definition for you since I like to start off all episodes pretty objectively. The feminine beauty ideal is a specific set of beauty standards regarding traits that are ingrained in women throughout their lives and from a young age to increase their perceived physical attractiveness. Some examples of current beauty standards in 2023 can include having a very toned athletic body, having long blonde hair, having full yet manicured eyebrows, having long perfect manicured nails, wearing enough makeup to look pretty but not enough for others to know that you're wearing any. We have to adhere to these standards in order to have status in society. I'll definitely get a lot more in depth into that, but this is just the introduction, so moving on. 
these standards have changed a lot over time, which is actually sickening because it just goes to show how arbitrary they are. Like, your body is a trend and you're forced to keep your body up with the trends. So, from here, let's take a deep dive into what women were supposed to look like in every era. It's time for a little bit of history. Starting all the way back in ancient Egypt, which was 1300 to 1000, well, 1300 to about 1000 BC, people valued slender figures, narrow shoulders, high waists, and a symmetrical face in women. They were encouraged to be independent in their beauty, which drastically changes later down the line. <coughs> Britain. Now in ancient Greece, 500 to 300 BC approximately, plump full bodies were the rage with very light skin. Ancient Greeks worshipped the male form, so to them, women's bodies were seen as a disfigured version of men. Um, and this is like the one time when men did face a higher standard of beauty than women, but in actuality, I feel like it's still worse for women because they're just straight up seen as like accidents. Like, oh, sorry, you're not a man, you're just, you, you're disfigured. You were supposed to be a man, but something happened to you, and half the people in the world are disfigured. Anyways. <laughs> So moving on to the Han Dynasty, um, which was 200 BC to 200 AD, we go to a slim waist, hourglass figure, pale skin, large eyes, small feet. This is going to become very important in Chinese culture from there on out. Small feet were highly, highly valued in China for a long time, and I'm sure to some extent are still today because these types of things don't just go away. That is how the practice of foot binding became a thing where they would wrap the feet up as a child very, very tightly so that they could not grow. And then people ended up with like screwed up feet. Like I've seen pictures of feet that have been subjected to foot binding and it is crazy. So if you want to check that out, you should, but just know that it's kind of gross. So then in the Italian Renaissance, 1400 to 1700, um, we should note that from here on out, these are all Western beauty standards because ancient civilizations weren't, quote, Western, like the Han Dynasty, you know? But from here on out, the mainstream beauty standard becomes the Western beauty standard, despite other cultures having their own. Western ideas started to become imposed all around the world through cultural imperialism, cultural appropriation. So the Italian Renaissance, they valued an ample chest, rounded stomach, full hips, fair skin, so like white to the max and blonde hair, <laughs> um, which is very different from now with uh, skinniness and tan skin being popular. But if you were like bigger, it meant that you were fed and that you had money to feed yourself and that you were wealthy. Skinny meant poor and malnourished. Women in this time were supposed to reflect their husband in every facet of life, including appearance. So in that sense, they were very, very constrained with what they could do with their looks. That brings us to Victorian England, which is 1800s to early 1900s, like very early 1900s. Um, Women were meant to be plump, which was a little different than before, where they were supposed to be, like, very round. Now they're just, like, healthily plump. 
but you must have a small waist. So corsets became a thing. So like before, they were supposed to be reasonably plump with like a normal carriage of the weight. And now everyone is supposed to be like, you know, bigger, but you're supposed to still have a skinny waist. So like they're telling you how you have to carry your weight now. Make it make sense. So that brings us to the Roaring Twenties. And this drastically changed beauty standards because so far Western beauty standards have been pretty much very feminine. But in the Roaring Twenties, we see the adaptation of the more masculine woman. She's skinny with a boyish figure, downplayed waist, short hair, and like more masculine features. And then she had short hair and would wear very shapeless clothes to like make her look more boxy. Like if you've ever seen the flapper dresses, they're pretty much just like a rectangle that hangs off your shoulders. It's the era of the flapper, obviously. Very androgynous look. And this was the first time women were allowed to have short hair and be considered desirable. Because before, if you had short hair, it was just wrong. It was anti-feminine. It was not what a woman was supposed to look like. And now it was what everyone wanted. It just really emphasizes how you know, it really emphasizes how fast these can change because the 1920s is really only like 10 years after Victorian England kind of came to an end. So then in the golden age of Hollywood, which is 1930s to 50s, women were supposed to have hourglass figures. So like Kirby, but a slim waist still. Marilyn Monroe is a classic example of the body type and honestly overall look of like a, you know, ideal woman in this era and then this is an important time because as the media began to travel faster with tv and movies and radio beauty trends and standards began to change faster and faster and faster making it harder for women to keep up with them because before it was taking thousands of years for a beauty trend to die down or or a standard and then 500 and then 100 and then 50 and now it's like every 10 years or even less the standards are changing and not just a little bit like complete upheavals and so people start turning to other means to change their looks so we'll get into that in a minute but the next big change after the 50s would be the swing in 60s where women were desired if they were willowy and thin with long slim legs and online it described it as an adolescent physique and i don't really want to know exactly what that means because that's just gross so <laughs> i'm just gonna pretend like a different word choice was used there that kind of evolved into the supermodel era of the 1980s and this was the first time that women were expected to look athletic because before you didn't want to look athletic but now athletic curvy tall women were valued higher because workout videos became popular encouraging women to be thin not necessarily fit but thin and so people started associating thinness with athleticism and we see an uptick in anorexia so that's not a good thing and that continued into the 1990s which this online source i was looking at described as heroin chic because people were thin to the point of unhealthiness they were pale and withdrawn. That was what people were supposed to look like. And obviously, that is not everybody. This is a very small percentage of people that actually fit the beauty standard because a lot of people, most people, aren't that skinny because that's just not how we look. 
but the people that were following this these standards to whatever means yes they were thin to the point of not healthy anymore <laughs> that was not the very most eloquent way to say that but i got it out still the same so then in the 2000s to today according to this source the 2000s to the to today which i don't even know if i would agree with that big of a span having the same beauty standards because i feel like now in 2023 it's different than it was into the 2000s but i digress in the 2000s a thigh gap in a tiny waist became very important and as well as a flat stomach but having feminine figure per se so like you're expected to carry your weight very very specifically you can't carry it in your thighs but you have to carry it in your butt and you have to have a flat stomach but you know it makes sense just kidding no it doesn't it makes no sense I would like to add on to this because I feel like there's more things that we have now that are important as beauty standards, such as having muscle tone, because I think now, like in the 20s, it's becoming very popular for women to be like muscular, still not bulky, but muscular, which is progress, I think. <laughs> I also think having pretty nails and like having your nails done professionally is like such a big thing right now. And maybe that's just the age that I am, more people around me have their nails done. But, like, you don't ever see anybody online, like, influencers or celebrities who don't at least even have painted nails. So, I'm like, I feel like having manicured nails is very important, as well as having, like, really luscious and, like, styled hair. Like, so many people have their hair dyed, and I just feel like, again, like, natural hair is not super popular right now and then lastly i think like having perfect healthy dewy skin is also such an ideal because we glamorize skincare to no end right now but then again like look at all of how all of these standards have changed over time from, from skinniness to how your hair should look to whatever it's crazy but we still place so much value and money and time and thoughts into achieving these standards even though like i just laid it out for you there's not like a single one that hasn't changed so like why do we place so much value originally humans had to care about appearance to survive as a species we had to care who was strong and healthy so that we knew how to reproduce and have strong offspring the animalistic side of us craved a strong and healthy partner but in 2023, why does that matter? It shouldn't. We don't need to struggle to survive. We don't even need to have kids because Lord knows other people are doing more than their fair share. Physical attractiveness may be so important because we associate other positive qualities with a pleasing appearance. For example, attractive individuals are expected to be happier and have more of rewarding life experiences than unattractive individuals. According to Psychology Today, Similarly, according to BetterHelp, people who are considered attractive are often perceived as more confident, which can play a large part in expanding social circles and forming connections, so they might find it easier to date or find potential romantic partners. But I feel like that's like a very chicken and the egg situation, like what came first, because it's like, do they find more connections because they are attractive, or do we make connections with them because they're attractive, you know? 
It's like if we didn't care about that, I don't think there'd be a difference. It's not because of that that we care about looks, you know? Hopefully that made sense. Speaking of better help, you should sponsor me since you sponsor literally everyone else under the sun. Anyway, <laughs> hopefully that makes sense based on what we know about our biology and considering attractive people, aka strong and healthy people, as ideal mates. But none of this explains why we feel so important to adhere to a certain standard of beauty at a given point in time. Because if it were, if it were all truly biological, wouldn't we have the same standard we had when we were cavemen? You know, so it's like, if people are using, you know, the caveman thing as a reason for why we care so much about standards now, they don't really have anything to back it up because like back then they didn't, I guarantee you, they did not care if you had a manicure, you know? So I'm like, <laughs> clearly something, something is happening, happening that doesn't need to be happening. There are several things that push beauty standards to change. For one, there are societal movements such as feminism, body positivity. Look at both sets of 20s, for example. Like in the 1920s, feminism and like the suff women's suffrage movement pushed a lot of the standards to become more masculine because women were trying to push their gender forward and they thought that by being more masculine, they would be respected more. And then in the 2020s, we're trying to include more people of all shapes and sizes. So it's allowing people to become more comfortable in their size. And the body standard is changing. So societal movements are one thing that pushes them to change. Um, another thing is media. People subconsciously want to copy what they see desirable, what they see as desirable in the movies or in books or in whatever form of media you consume. It's just a subconscious thing. Media runs society. And then third, <laughs> the beauty industry. Now, I don't know if this is proven or will ever be proven, but... I am convinced that the modern beauty standards are made up by the companies selling us the products to make their, to make us fit their own standards. I am convinced. I'm not going to name any names because I don't want in any way to get in trouble with like some giant company because that would be nightmare fuel for me and a lot of people. <laughs> but like I am convinced that they like decide what the problems are and then put it in a commercial, and then sell us a product to fix it, and we're like, oh my god, everybody cares about this little flaw on me, everyone cares, and then they rush to buy the product, and it's such a good business model, and I don't know if it's true, but I like to blame it on the man, so I'm gonna continue to blame it on the man with this one. And that's a perfect little segue into the negative effects that beauty standards have on society. I wrote an entire freaking essay on this in high school, and honestly, I would do it all over again if it meant that someone new would read it and help fix the problem. Okay, when we're talking about, like, the effects, the negative effects of beauty standards, um, it creates, like, a re obviously, it creates a really bad body image if you do not meet the standard. I know everybody deals with this, but for me, there's just been certain things about me my whole life that I have felt are not ideal. Like, my hair type is not right it's too thick but not in like the thick and luscious way it's like the thick and fluffy way or like my face is not symmetrical and i've always been really insecure about that because one of my sides of my face is like bigger than the other and like i've never ever seen a model for anything who's had a lopsided face they're always perfectly symmetrical so like i've always just felt like in that sense that i don't look right just something that looks off about me I don't know, this is like a stupid one, but like my nails are not correct. Like I just feel like 
they're not pretty because they're short and they're not all the same shape and i've always just wanted them to look like longer like a long nail bed you know i have really short nail beds but my brain just like glorifies the parts of me that do fit the beauty standard like for example right now right now based on like what society wants i have good eyebrows and like i never even thought about that <laughs> until i i noticed like i was just neutral about my eyebrows and then i was like oh my gosh my eyebrows are like so trendy and like so fashionable or whatever word and now i just am like weirdly obsessed with my own eyebrows i don't know it's just like is sickening how much beauty standards have affected my own self-image <laughs> but beauty standards have this effect on women and men everywhere i'm not alone by any means and i know like so well that a lot of people suffer worse than i do beauty standards lead to a negative body image if you don't meet the standard which is it sucks because the standards are almost always impossible especially if you don't already look like that like if you happen to already have the characteristics of the trend great but if you don't it can be really hard to get there negative body image can in turn cause eating disorders depression and anxiety lead to social isolation and low self-esteem positive body image on the other hand can lead to confidence high self-esteem and healthy relationships and oh my gosh when you have all three of those things it does not matter what you do like you will be unstoppable if you have confidence high self-esteem and healthy relationships you can do literally anything so after hearing all that you might think well just love your body just like be i don't know just like your body because like and then you'll be unstoppable it's like that's like telling somebody who's depressed to just be happy or telling someone with anxiety to just stop worrying it's literally not that simple in recent years, people have been starting to realize the connection between positive body image and a generally more enjoyable life. And thus, the body positive movement was born. According to a scholarly article from the National Library of Medicine, body positivity, the idea that all bodies are good bodies, is a social movement and concept that is contested. It holds different meanings to different people, living in and with different bodies. It also has contradictory uptake within the movement, fitness, and wellness industry, wherein there is an inherent paradox between the predominant focus on body performance, improvement, and transformation versus the body positive message to accept your body regardless of appearance or function. The body positive movement originated from fat, black, and queer activism in response to certain bodies being so rarely visible or held as valuable in discourses and visual media. This movement surfaced in 2012 on Instagram when the tag hashtag body positive started to pick up serious steam and more and more people were captioning their posts this way. So at its roots, body positivity is great. Like, it's just telling you like, that no matter what you look like, no matter what stage of your, you know, health journey you're on, no matter what function level that you're at, you have the right to love your body. You should not have to hate it because you don't look a certain way. And I think that's truly, truly, truly what is at the core of the body positive movement. And so I think at its core, it's great. But here's the kicker. It's still too cis, white, and skinny. And when I say cis, I mean cisgender. The faces of the body positive movement now are people who claim they're body positive, but they are unfortunately already basically the beauty standard. They have like a tiny little bit of belly fat or a birthmark. And they're like, hashtag body positive. And so then it makes other people 
who the movement was originally for, such as people who are obese, people who are trans. It makes those people feel like they don't even have a right to be body positive because it's like, oh, if you who have like one half of a flaw are body positive, then it's like, what does that make me? It's like, do I even like get to, you know what I mean? It's like, it's just not, it has strayed. It has strayed as most things do. And then obviously, like we kind of touched on this earlier, when you have a serious insecurity about your body and someone just says, love yourself, it's like, gee, thanks. That's really helpful. Or like, just be body positive. It's like, okay, yeah, I'll just be, I'll just totally change my train of thought because that's possible because that happens a lot too. (laughs) Or people are expected to be quote body positive when they don't know how and they aren't because they haven't like gotten over the internal struggle with body image yet. So in response to these shifts in the body positive movement has emerged its cousin, body neutrality. Body neutrality, rather than saying you should love every part of you no matter what, you can appreciate your body for what it does for you rather than placing value on the way you look. For example, I'm really glad that my eyes can see so well. Rather than, ugh, I wish my eyes were a different color. Or I really like that my eyes are blue. Or, I'm really thankful that my legs can move me so well rather than I wish my legs were skinnier. Things like that. And it the only qualm that the only possible issue that could come up with this is that people who experience a lot of like physical function issues because of various like diseases or disabilities could find it harder to use this to make themselves feel better just because like they don't have the same functions that like a healthy person would have or that a able person able-bodied person would have so I think in that way, you can kind of choose what avenue works better for you, body positivity, body neutrality. Like, would you rather focus on the parts of you that, like, would you rather just like try to change your train of thought so that you could love the way that you look? Or would you rather just kind of ignore that and focus on the way that you function? And honestly, both are super valid, but body neutrality has gained a lot more following in recent years just because it takes the focus off of looks altogether, which I think is like a really nice change for a lot of people (laughs) speaking of change the women of the world are starting to realize how harmful beauty standards are and we as individuals cannot change society because change always starts with those in power if we want to get rid of beauty standards or make them more achievable or realistic or inclusive whatever we, we are trying to achieve it has to start with who is in power and that is big corporations For me, a really good change that I would love to start seeing is in advertising and in media, not using Photoshop, not using airbrushing, using diverse models of all ethnicities, sizes, shapes, just everything. Whoever wants to do it, basically. You shouldn't have to be a certain size or a certain look. I want to see products and sizes for everybody and marketing needs to be kind and not hurtful. It should not be focusing on trying to change you in any way and i know that a lot of these things have already started happening but it's still not enough and it needs to be from the big companies it cannot be from individual people on social media because as one person unfortunately you can't make that much of a difference in the real like in the massive world it has to be people with power and it isn't fair for companies to continue their harmful ways or for them to tell individuals that it's our job to change things because that's No, 
no, that's not true. That's never true. So with that, I want to give you this message um, from America Ferreira's speech in the Barbie movie because it was so good that it moved me to tears. And I just think if you haven't heard it yet, it's something that you need to listen to. So here we go. It's literally impossible to be a woman. You are so beautiful and so smart and it kills me that you don't think you're good enough. Like, we have to always be extraordinary. But somehow we're always doing it wrong. <laughs> you have to be thin, but not too thin. And you can never say you want to be thin. You have to say you want to be healthy, but also you have to be thin. You have to have money, but you can't ask for money because that's crass. You have to be a boss, but you can't be mean. You have to lead, but you can't squash other people's ideas. You're supposed to love being a mother, but don't talk about your kids all the damn time. You have to be a career woman, but also always be looking out for other people. You have to answer for men's bad behavior, which is insane, but if you point that out, you're accused of complaining. You're supposed to stay pretty for men, but not so pretty that you tempt them too much or that you threaten other women because you're supposed to be a part of the sisterhood, but always stand out and always be grateful. But never forget that the system is rigged, so find a way to acknowledge that, but also always be grateful. You have to never get old. Never be rude, never show off, never be selfish, never fall down, never fail, never show fear, never get out of line. It's too hard, it's too contradictory, and nobody gives you a medal or says thank you. And it turns out, in fact, that not only are you doing everything wrong, but also everything is your fault. I'm just so tired of watching myself and every single other woman tie herself into knots so that people will like us. And if all of that is also true for a doll, just representing a woman, then I don't even know. And honestly, that sums up this episode better than anything I could ever say. The writers on that, oh, they slayed. They did a good job. But beauty standards, unfortunately, are always probably going to be around just because as a society, we like having something we can adhere to. We like, we don't individually, individually, we don't individually like that, but as a society, we like being able to categorize things. We can make it better though. We can change it. So you can either accept that you're going to go in and out of style, that your body is going to be trendy or not, depending on what corporations and men decide, or you can learn to disregard the standards. If it makes you feel any better, I have truly never looked at somebody and thought, wow, that person is ugly. I have never thought that. I mean, like, I don't know, just like as a human race, we're kind of like crazy. I've looked at animals and thought, that, that, that thing is creepy. But, like, humans, no. We're pretty good. So, if it helps, the host of Midweek Musings, Evie, that's me, by the way, if you forgot, I think you're beautiful. And I'm not even lying. So, there. 
All right, that's going to wrap up our episode for today. So I'm glad if you listened to that whole thing, because I think, I don't know how long it's going to be when I edit it down, but looking at my timestamp now, it's going to be a little bit of a longer one. So I'm glad that I was able to talk to you about this today, because it's really important to me. But I will see you next time on Midweek Musings. Midweek Musings airs at 6.30 on Wednesday nights on 106.1 FM in the Quad Cities area, but you can also find it on Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast was recorded at the studios of KALA-FM St. Ambrose University. Opinions expressed are not necessarily those of KALA Radio or St. Ambrose University.